Hello and welcome to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where the events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is Jay Swords. And my name is John Keeley. This is the podcast segment of the show that is not broadcast on station KAOA. Our guest for our 382nd show is Dr. George Garmany, former Governor General of the General Society of Mayflower Descendants, who will be talking with us about the 400th anniversary of the landing of the Mayflower. Our history buffs for today's show is Rick Sweet and Terry Toffler. Rick, you get to start us off this time. Well, that's perfect. Thank you, John. Uh, George, the um, the ship that uh, took off with 100 or 130 or so uh, people out of uh, uh, Europe, I think, uh, what what was the size of the vessel uh, with 130 people on, on board? I don't know how to describe it, but let me tell you, the people uh, were, were, were spending their time in the hold, and they were packed tight as sardines. I the uh, I, I I'm sure that the the numbers are obviously the numbers are out there for the size of the ship, but uh, I would encourage anybody to go visit the ship Mayflower, which used to be Mayflower Two in, in Plymouth, to get uh, to get a sense of what that must have been like. They were very tight, and it was important that they stayed on the hold. Yeah, for no other reason of not being washed over the side during however many hurricanes came along. <laughs> well, that. That's exactly what happened to one of them. Uh, a fellow named John Holland went out on, on board uh, in a storm and got washed overboard. Uh, and uh, and uh, they, they, somebody watched him go underwater. They, uh, as it happened, the Mayflower uh, had a, a, a halyard, a, a line dragging from, from one of the masts uh, in, in the water, which I'm sure was an example of bad seamanship, but listen, they were in a, in a hurricane. Uh, and, and fortunately, Holland was able to grab that, that line, and, and they hauled it back up on board. And I gather uh, they, they, they pounded him around a little bit, got the water out of him, and then he, he, he went on to, uh, to found a, a large family. But the Pilgrims regarded this as a sign from God that, the, that their, their expedition, their plans were, were favored. I, and to this day, whenever I meet a Holland descendant, I always have to look behind their ear and see if see if they've got some seawater back there. <laughs> That's great, <laughs> Terry. Well, I am grateful that John Holland survived. <laughs> I wouldn't be here otherwise. But I wanted to. Last year, I journeyed out east uh, to Mystic, Connecticut. And was quite surprised because yes. at the time I didn't realize the Mayflower too was being renovated there, and yes. wasn't yes. able to go on board at that point. Um, they were still in the renovation process, but it was fascinating to see it and how colorful it was. I guess all these years I've looked at black and white um, drawings, uh, never realized yes. the colors. So I, my question is, what was the process to renovate the Mayflower too? That was an extremely lengthy and, I might add, expensive process. The, the, the Mayflower II, which is they've, they've renamed now the ship Mayflower, uh, belongs to Plymouth Plantation, uh, which is a, 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 an organization that has been in Plymouth uh, since the 1940s. Uh, she, uh, she was uh, brought over, uh, she was built uh, by the British. Uh, partly in thanks for the support the Americans gave at the time of the uh, of the of the, the Second World War, and brought over to the U.S. in 1957. 
Well, I'm not a ship person myself, but everybody who deals with, with boats and ships says that the worst thing you could do to a, to a wooden ship is to tie it up to a dock and, and leave it there. And that's pretty much what's happened, what happened to it for, for uh, the next 60 years. Uh, and yeah, about five or six years ago, just in the process of normal maintenance, they realized that she was about to collapse. Uh, that there was just so much, uh, so much uh, repurposed, or so, so much wood that had decayed that uh, that uh, she was in danger of sinking, and that they would have to have to rebuild her. Uh, they actually replaced about sixty-five percent of the wood in the in the ship in the, in the process of that rebuild. And my grandson did get the chance to see it. Uh, Said, why don't you just call her the Mayflower 2.65? Exactly. The George century looks at these things. Yeah. Right. Could you give um, our listeners, like we talked about the ship, but you know, the dimensions. Uh, how big was it? I mean, we've always gotten our idea that it's a certain size, and by our modern boats, it's probably something which would be considered. Um, um, minuscule, but what were the actual dimensions of the ship? I I'm going to look that up for you because I don't know that off the top of my off the top of my head. But let me see if I can if I can find that here in a little booklet that I, that I have. We, so as, you were gonna say, if you were going to say Wikipedia, I was going to lose it. But okay, the book's good. <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to. No, no, I'm not going to go to Wikipedia. <laughs> I'm sitting here with a with a book that was put out by Plymouth Plantation describing the uh, the the the, re, the the refit, uh, and of course it's full of shipbuilding tools and that sort of thing, but not so much the uh, the dimensions of the ship. But I, I, I'll keep uh, say, looking through all this. I, as a family historian, I'm I'm more interested in the stories of the people than the size I, of the boat. I will also tell you that uh, that the, uh, the 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 pilgrims are not especially happy with the ship. This wasn't the ship that they planned to bring to the New World, and they didn't even comment in their uh, in their uh, in Bradford's journal on the name of the ship. It took a while to, to figure out which, which ship it was, uh, and uh, there's no question that it was a ship called the Mayflower, although Mayflower was a fairly common name for ships. So, uh, so, uh, but uh, that was the only voyage that she ever made across the Atlantic, because she was probably used up by the time they they got her back. George. Uh, this is not going to have the, have the dimension. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I, I'm curious. So you, you said that, that you had a, a sizable number. I think you said half of the people didn't make it through the first year. Um, was the Correct. colony replenished um, over the next several years? And, and where did those uh, individuals come from? Were they sort of sharing the same religious ties were they were they religious separatists were they more like the strangers and just people looking for a new life a little bit of both all of the above i i remember they they actually arrived in plymouth at the end of december right smack in the middle of the winter i uh, and there were there were no houses or anything for them to to to, to put up uh, uh so so during that first winter while they were trying to build things they were actually living on the ship well imagine uh, 100 people uh, stacked in together I uh, on uh, uh, you know uh, under under board and so forth uh, uh, on the ship and uh, the the sickness just went rampant and did uh, did kill uh, kill half of the the original group uh, over the next uh, ten to twelve years or so 
there were uh, there were uh, several additional ships that came. Some of the the spouses, uh, uh, Richard Warren's wife and four daughters, uh, I think, uh, all came over on a subsequent ship. Uh, I, I, they, these were these were both strangers. They were people from from London. They were additional uh, congregants from from Leiden. So so there were there were people uh, from from both groups who came over. The, some of them were sent over by the uh, by the, the merchant adventurers who were who were trying to figure out how to turn a profit. So they they sent some people over that that they figured would be good uh, to uh, to bring on uh, you know some some additional cash uh, cash to to support the the adventure and so forth. Okay. John, do you have another question? Yeah, was the um, uh, let's. I guess, are there any people from this group that you were talking about with their relationship with the Native American tribes in the area? Is there any kind of document documentation that, as you said, things were going pretty well and then they went sour about 50 years later? Is there any documentation where you had individuals that were forming pretty good bondings with the members of the tribe? Or is this something that's kind of lost? Uh, no, we we have uh, we have some some knowledge about that. Uh, w- one of the pilgrims who was particularly interested in, in the Native Americans and and, uh, and commented on, on learning some of their language and got to understand some of it was uh, was by the name of Ed- Edward Winslow. Uh, Winslow was was one of the one of the critical pilgrims. He was fairly young uh, at the, the time of the of uh, the uh, the original voyage and so forth. But he uh, he actually spent extra time uh, learning about them. Uh, Unfortunately, neither he nor any of the other pilgrims seems to have uh, uh, transmitted the, the, their interest and, and their friendship with, with the Native Americans very well to their children. Uh, and, uh, and so as subsequent generations uh, came along, the, the, their children and grandchildren were, were less interested in being friendly with, with the Native Americans. Uh, it, it wasn't something that happened suddenly 50 years later. It was a gradual evolution. I and there was another key factor that that happened when when Boston was established. Boston was established with with over a thousand people, uh, and and Boston uh, took lots of land and and uh, expanded uh, dramatically. Uh, the, the Pilgrims expanded much more slowly, but but nonetheless they they had a different concept of land than the Native Americans did. Uh, they believed that you you owned land, you could fence it, you used it. Nobody else got to use it. Whereas Native Americans were accustomed to, to the idea that land land itself was was a common uh, 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 legacy yeah. that, that that was that was shared. Uh, and uh, and gradually uh, the, the the pilgrims encroached. Well, the pilgrims and the Puritans uh, encroached heavily on the uh, on the land that the Native Americans had. Furthermore, their 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 animals, their their stock, ate. Ate the the Indian corn and they and they and destroyed the destroyed Native American uh, uh, farming as as they had it and so forth. So so there there were all kinds of of reasons, but mostly the the incredible growth that the English uh, colonies, uh, uh, both of them, uh, uh, were were doing uh, that that uh, that encroached on on the Indian uh, uh, the Indian lifestyle. All right, Terry, you get the last question. So George, can you? Talk, go back to when you were talking about the first baby that was actually born. Uh, I think it was Oceanius Hopkins coming over over the ocean, and then another was baby was born while they were in the Atlantic. Yeah. But what was actually yeah. the first child that was born on shore? 
Well, uh, Peregrine White was born uh, uh, in in the Provincetown Harbor, uh, and and so so Peregrine White was was the first one who was born in in the New World. I uh, although he, uh, they were not really on shore, and I honestly don't know who the first one who was born after the after Pilgrim after Plymouth was was established. Uh, they, they they don't seem to have commented on that very much. They were just so grateful to be alive. Uh, but the the first one to be born in the New World was Peregrine White. All right. Well, and yeah, he lived for many years after 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 all this the, the traditional stories uh, were, were completed and so forth. We would like to thank our guests for this three hundred and eighty second show, Doctor George Garmany former Governor General of the General Society of the Mayflower Descendants, who talked to us about the 400th anniversary of the landing of the Mayflower. The history buffs for today's show were Rick Sweet and Terry Toppler. You can listen to ROI as it's being broadcast on Friday nights on KALA HD2, 88.5 FM, and 106.1 FM in the Quad City region at 9.30 p.m. You can also listen to the show as it's being broadcast on TuneIn.com, Put KALAHD2 in the search box and look for ROI. Many of our previously recorded shows can be heard at SoundCloud.com. Just put KALA Radio, all one word, in the search, click on the first icon, and scroll down to find ROI shows. You can also find ROI on all of your favorite streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. ROI is recorded at station KALA, St. Ambrose University.